Well, it's a family worship Sunday, too, so for all the kids in here, I'm glad that you're in here with us. And, um, you can grab your Bibles, if you would, or click onto your Bibles if you're using your phone. On the 15th, so, what, three weeks from today, we'll begin our next book study on Sunday mornings, and we're going to be going through the book of John. Between now and then, we're going to touch on a couple topics, and it'll be sort of a John preview, a little I'm going to pray. Last week, though, we, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. And so as I was praying, I hope it was the Lord that spoke this to my mind, but I wonder what happens after the resurrection. So I thought of those stories. So something that God really laid on my mind, I, I'm hoping it's from Him, but let me just pray that He leads us through this. And we'll bring in Father. Just Holy Spirit, leave every word that I would say. Uh, any rabbit trail you take me on, I pray it's you that takes me and not myself. I pray that you use this, just invest it in the hearts of the men and the women here that you brought, that you love, that you created. I pray that it would help them grow to become more like you, to know you more, and to be closer with you. I pray this, Jesus, in your power, in your name. Amen. So let's, before we go to John 21 is where we're going to end up. Um, we're going to talk about breakfast on the beach. That, that sounds great, right? So we, but first let's talk about this. You guys know Peter? Our buddy Pete. What's, if you've been in different Bible studies before, tell me a little bit about Pete. Peter. Also known as Simon, right? What's that? Impulsive. Yeah. I get this. You know, there's, there's a truth. The more words you say, the more chance you have to get it wrong. And that guy resembled that remark as well as I do. He was a radical, right? What did he do for a job before? Fisherman. Fisherman. So, what was a fisherman like in their time? Smelly. Smelly? Smelled like what? Fish, probably, right? And, uh, yeah, so, they weren't known to be the most civilized group. You know, it's a bunch of dudes on the boat. Extended periods of time. Um, so what's interesting is he was so impulsive, but he was definitely really close to Jesus. If you, as we go through the gospel, you'll see that. And Jesus changed his name from Simon to Peter. And so we're, we're approaching the, the resurrection, so we're kind of going to rewind at this point. And then we'll fast forward. But we're going to rewind before the, res before the crucifixion and the resurrection. And, you know, Peter is just like saying, hey, I don't care what they do, God. He just ran his mouth like, I would die for you. I would go anywhere that they would take you. And he's the guy that cut the guard's ear off, right, when they came to arrest Jesus. So in John 16, I'm going to pull out a couple of scriptures to kind of paint the picture, set the stage. And then from there, we can kind of dig into the point. So John 16, if you turn there, verse 31 And if you look here, I've put some of the scripture up here, but you might want to look at your Bibles. Well, I'd encourage you to do that. That way you know I'm telling you the truth, right? Check me, test me. 31 says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. What's, what's sifting? What happens when you sift something? 
you're just joining us with us today, I'm not asking rhetorical questions. I really want your input. If, if you're part of the teaching, I know that you'll get it more. I'm just tired of arguing, yelling at people. It doesn't help. Separate. Separate? Yeah, when you sift something, right, you use something, and it'll get the impurities out. We're, you guys do this in baking, anyone who bakes? At times, you can sift flour. You're trying to find, you're trying to get, use some kind of, um, almost a filtering system, right? You're sifting through to find the things that you don't want, the impure things, the clumps, all that kind of stuff. So he's telling Peter, Satan's demanded to have you. So Satan has evil intention for you. That he might sift you like wheat. And Jesus, he always kind of does this. What the enemy means for evil, he turns into good. We see that throughout the scripture. So he says, but I pray for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So I caught this this week. Matt and I were talking about it. Like, wow, I never caught that before. And, and then it goes, I'll, I'll come back to that. But it goes on to say, Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. Well, let me, now before we go forward, let me pull out these, these items. First of all, sift you like me. Like we said that. Like I'm going to let Satan, what he's going to do is he's going to sift you. He's going to test you. He's going to find the things, the impurities, right? The clumps that are still left in your life that are clogging up your life. I'm going to have him bring those to the surface by testing you. Anyone felt, knows, know what that feels like? Is that happening to anyone here other than me this week? Like, that's a nasty clump. Holy cow, I didn't realize that was there, right? And he says, what he's praying for us is that our faith may not fail. I mean, you get that. What happens when you're going through a hard time? How do you feel about God? Confused. Confused, yeah. Good answer, yeah. Oh, did I say Luke 20? Uh, I got you in the wrong chapter, I'm sorry. Thank you. It says... I wrote the note wrong. Sorry about that. I'm going to be confusing you. Okay. There's the problem with the PowerPoint on that one. Okay. Luke 22. I'm going to sift you like we thank you for that, Chris. That your faith may not fail. And that's what that's what we're running into is like, oh, okay. When I'm getting sifted, I start to doubt. I start to think, God, you might not be good. You might not have, you know, my best intention in mind. Maybe I need to do something to do that. But then he goes on to not like you're going to be successful when you're tested. Then he simply does this. He says, and when you turn again. So the assumption here is that you're going to fail. Do you see that? The assumption that Jesus knew is he knew you were going to fail. He knew that when you did that, you would, you would run into... Um, Confusion and doubt, and you would fail. But he says, when you turn again, when you come back, strengthen your brothers. So here we go. In, in John, if you look at John 18, after this, Peter denies that he knows Jesus. It also shows up in, in Luke and in, in Matthew as well. Uh, after all that, 
They're like, hey, weren't you with that guy? No, I don't know him. Hey, well, I saw you in the garden. No. And exactly like Jesus said, the, roast, the rooster crowed. And I'll pull, I'll pull the, the story out of Matthew. Matthew 26, 74 to you. There's this accusation like, hey, you're with Jesus. And, and Peter says this, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. I mean, could you imagine, have you been in that moment where you just know you failed God? And it's something that it's either can be reoccurring or something you've been working on and you do it again. And Peter remembered, verse 75, the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went away and wept bitterly. You know where Peter was not? He was not at the crucifixion of the King of the Cross. And then Jesus died after all of that. Now the next day, when, when they went to find him in the tomb, he came and he saw that it was empty. But I wonder what he thought, you know? And we, we get an idea. Hey, where did the Lord go? They still his body? What's going on here? But everything that he wondered, you know, Jesus' death, death, burial, and resurrection, if I can speak correctly, that all happened. And I think so many of those guys were like, oh, everything I thought that was going to happen with Jesus, everything I thought Jesus was going to do, he's not doing. And it became such a crisis of faith for them that they didn't know what to do. And so this is what I wanted to set the stage for you. Here's the question I have for you. Now that the resurrection has happened and Jesus has won it, what happens? What do we do? When the things that we hoped for, or we planned, or that we think we need, they don't go as we hoped, planned, or needed. What happens? Has anyone been there? Exactly. Josiah just said, we go back to what we're comfortable doing. And what, what did Pete and the boys do? They're like, I'm going fishing. Now, now, if you apply that, I mean, you guys might not be fishermen. But here's what I see. Like, what is it that I do you know, that, that either uh, distracts me or gives me identity or numbs my mind? And when hope seems lost, when... Jesus doesn't do what you want him to do, the tendency is going to be to go back to the thing that you've always done. And it's just what he said. Hey, I'm a, you're going to get tested, guys. And you're going to blow it. Like, I know it, right? He knew that he would be betrayed. He knew that he'd be betrayed. And when he got tested, he, he ran. And he denied and he failed. But Jesus is like, when you turn again, that's the beautiful thing. The turn is coming. So I'm going fishing. And then what happens is this crazy thing. They go fishing and guess what happens? They're trying. Do you remember the story? What happens when they try to go fishing? They don't catch a fish. And these guys are professionals. They're trying to go to the thing they always do, and it just doesn't work anymore. 
oh, isn't that exciting? And you're frustrated, but isn't that the Lord's goodness? But I go back to the thing I was doing before to cope or hide and it no longer works. Thank you, God. And then there's a strange dude on the beach, right? I like one author. If you just rose from the dead, what would you do? You know, there's a million ideas, but our Lord, he has a barbecue. Breakfast with the boys on the beach, right? There's this guy, right, on the beach. And he's hollering to get their attention. And sure, they're not, at first they're not sure what to do. And he gives them this advice, right, on what to do to fish the water. Like, whatever, we've been trying all night. This isn't working. They, they follow him and it's successful. As a matter of fact, it's more than successful. And then once... He, right, the impulsive one, realizes it's Jesus. He's like, it's the Lord. And he gets dressed. I, these guys fish differently than you and I. Right? He puts his outer He jumps in the water, not even waiting for the boat to get there. And goes up to Jesus, because inevitably he knew he blew it. He knew he ran from God. He knew he betrayed him. And what in the world would this Jesus do now? And what would he think about me? And I think sometimes, like me, I jump out of the boat and swim the other way. Like, oh, dang, i got to go away from the one I betrayed. And so they had breakfast. They had breakfast, and who knows what kind of conversations. Randy, we talk about this a lot, all the things it doesn't say in the Bible. Man, what were these guys talking about? What were they saying? The personalities of, of these men, because... These were men. And when they finished, Jesus got down to business. John 21, 15. And when they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? I think he's pointing to the fish. Right? There's all these fish. But really he's pointing, do you love me more than all the things that you that you think you are. And of course, right, it's like in church, like, hey, you trust God in the yeah, yeah, definitely, hallelujah, amen. And then in reality, we don't, but we just jump to that. So, so Peter does the same thing, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he says to him this really weird thing, feed my lambs. Which that's kind of another sermon, but, but the idea is, we're always ministering to everyone else around us because God is ministering to us. You see that? That's just the pattern of it. It's like, what do I have to fear if the God of the universe who created everything is in control, loves me and favors me and is taking care of me? Like, I can give you anything and I'm going to be just fine. But it, it's hard to stay in that truth. So Jesus says that a first time. Then verse 16, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Tend my sheep a second time. Verse 17, he said to, to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything, and you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Verse 18, 
Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Let me talk about the end there, first of all. Fascinating to me that the Lord was denied three times by Peter. And, and definitely not coincidence. He was denied three times by Peter. And three times he covered that denial of forgiveness and love. Three times. Another interesting note as I meditated on this really. After that was done, I mean, you could see that Jesus loved him and forgave him. But he still said this, there's going to be a consequence to this life. I mean, in the end, this is how you're going to die. You used to dress yourself when you were young, but in the end, you're going to reach out your hands. And it says in, in this version of it that this was to speak to how Peter was going to die. Anyone know from church tradition and history how they think Peter died? He was crucified upside down by the Emperor Nero is what's, what smart people think. So this guy, he was, you know, stripped, his clothes were taken. He was carried on to a cross, but he wanted to glorify God and he was so humble. He said, don't do me right side up. I want to be done upside down. And then after that, the third thing is he says, follow me. Well, why in the world is this so important? Because here's what I have to tell you. Forgiveness is complete and amazing, but consequence can still exist. Do you see that? Forgiveness is complete and amazing, but consequence can still exist. It's like you cut your arm off. I mean, if God wanted to, he could grow back another one, but chances are he wouldn't. He just might save your life and you'd have what was left that you didn't cut off, right? It's like that with sin. There, there's this life, we're all going towards destruction. So we get forgiveness, but there's still consequence. But on the back end of that consequence is this. I love you, keep following me. And I don't know about you, but I need that. Because everyone feels so qualified. And one of the main reasons I'm here is to remind you and encourage you to be ministers of the gospel. But the world is going to disqualify you because you're going to deny Christ. There's going to be consequence in your life. And you're going to think, I've got to swim away and not swim towards. But the way that this works with Christ is he's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to pray you won't blow it, but you will, Reggie. You'll blow it, bro. But when you turn back, bring the love that I'm sharing you and my forgiveness with everyone around you. Like, encourage the brothers. And, but man, I'm sorry, your body is going to fail in this world. There's going to be consequences from your sin. But don't stop following me and don't think this is happening because I hate you. Because I love you dearly and I died for you. So follow me. That's good news, right? Okay, now let me melt your brain a little bit more. This melted mine. So you know, there's, there's two words for love that are used in the scripture. In, in Greek, okay? And four Greek words that mean love, that we would translate to love. But these two actually both appear in this section of Scripture. 
And I'm going to say these in a, in a Prescott Valley accent for Greek, okay? But agapao, right? It's a form of the agape love that we talk about. And what it is, it's a sacrificial, unconditional love. A perfect example of that is, is what God gives us. A very distant second place might be the way a parent loves their child. It's what we're challenged to do with our enemies as well as our spouses. Sacrificial, it doesn't matter what you do, I will continue to choose to love you. It's the hard kind. The kind we really want, the kind that we really struggle to get. And then the next word is phileo. And this has to do with like a tender affection, a personal attachment, a friendship. Okay, well, not now. Now what? Let's go back here. So in John 21, right, he's talking to Peter the first time. He says, Simon, son of John, do you agapao me? Do you love me in a unconditional, self-sacrificing way. Do you love me in the way that God loves you? And then Peter says back to him, he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I'm phileo. I have an affectionate, brotherly love for you. That, that caused us a little pause in my house. I'm like, huh. So then it goes on. He said to him the second time, Simon, son of John, do you, Agapao, love me? And Peter said back to him, he says, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo, you're my brother. He said to him, tend my sheep. Then the third time, son, Simon, son of John, do you phileo? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I phileo. Did your mind kind of feel in here? Why Why did Jesus use two different words for love? And why did Peter Use one and not match the word that Jesus said to him. There's, there's, there's a probably as many theories as there are people. But as I asked the Lord to give me interpretation, I thought about this. I thought about a man who was so, I mean, he bitterly wept and ran and hid because he betrayed Jesus. And he heard that Jesus had died And you get that passion because when he saw him, he didn't wait for the boat to get there. He jumped out. But he was so humble. God's like, I mean, I don't know. Jesus, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, I don't know what was happening at dinner or breakfast, I should say, not dinner, breakfast. But then he's like, Peter. Do you love me in an unconditional way? And you know Peter's like, 
I really want to say I can do this. But you see that kind of change? Because he's been humbled, he didn't just match Jesus. I'm going to die. I'm going to die twice. That's, that's how Peter was, right? They're going to hang me. Well, they can hang me upside down. That's, that's how Peter was. But now he's so humbled. Lord, I'm so sorry. Peter, can you love me like God loves us? Like in an unconditional way. Lord, you know, like I'm so fond of you like a brother. He's like, feed my sheep. But it doesn't stop. It like covers what was old with what's new. He, he redeemed Peter in this. And then the second time, Peter, do you love me in a self-sacrificing, unconditional way? And he's like, Lord, you know, like you're like my brother. I, I, I have all these feelings for you. And he's like, Peter, do you love me like a brother? Because it's the best you can do. Right now. Why do you say that? Well, here's the guy that, hey, you're with you're with that guy? I don't know him. Tough. I'll die, but do the upside down. I would say that's agapao type of love. But Jesus did this. He knew and loved Peter. And I believe with everything in me that he came to Peter's place. He came to where Peter was at. He's like, Peter, you be my brother. You know it, Lord. You know everything. And he goes, we'll take it, and then we're going to go from there. Take it and we'll go from there. I don't know about you, I need to hear that. Because I think the error, right, is, is we're so excited about the gospel, we get to that. Jesus died for you, you get forgiveness. And we have uh, tons of prayers we've crafted and Programs to try to tell you and get you to that point, and then you get to the resurrection, and you're like, yay! Um, but then the problem is, life still comes at you. I mean, Jesus can do these miraculous things. Understand, Peter was part of so many miracles. He watched Jesus raise people from the dead and calm storms and walk on water. He even walked on water himself. He saw this man do amazing things, and even after all of it, the best he can do is, like, I just love you with all my feelings. I get that. So as I, I look out at your faces right now, I, what's striking is we're with him. We, we get it. That's what's so powerful about this story. Like, each one of you, if I give you a microphone, could tell you, um, if you look back, you're like, I see God at work. Or maybe I'm not so sure if that was God. But no matter how many of those things, you're always going to start in that place where it's going to start at that feeling level. 
And only by walking with him, only by understanding and knowing him and, and being sifted and tested can you get into that. It doesn't matter what I feel. I love you and I, I choose you. And so Jesus said this in John 10, 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. What's the takeaway? What's the takeaway? Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive and he is, as it, as it says in the Bible, that he's interceding for us. No, no different than Peter. Like, Will, you're in this world and I know that you'll be tested. I know that you'll be sifted. And I'm going to use all sorts of things. I'm going to use a job and a society for you to live in. I'm going to have you get married and that's going to test you a great deal and you're going to be a father and a friend and a son. And what's going to happen is all the impurity is going to float to the top. All the clumps are going to come to the top. And it's going to be quite a struggle. But I'm never going to leave you. And in the end, you understand that, that death is coming in a physical way, but not in a spiritual way. And thank God for that, because until we can shed these bodies, there's no hope. Until all darkness, right, is destroyed off earth, there's no hope of perfection. But there's that constant practicing of righteousness. And because of Jesus, he comes right where we're at. And he's like, Josh, I know, man. You don't trust me like you should, and so you, in a way, deny me. But do you love me? And all you can do is throw yourself at his feet and say, as best as I can, as best as I can. And he'll be like, yeah. That's where we'll start, but not where we'll end. That's where we'll start, but not where we'll end. My, my prayer for us is we, we go through the book of John. Yes, and really John, not Luke, because I probably did that one slide, couple slides there. Um, we're going to watch and see what Jesus did, what he taught, and what he commanded us to do. And, and my real hope, my real prayer is that we can do this a long time together and walk with Christ and practice his righteousness and grow to become more like him. That we would be people that maybe right now, I mean, some of you have been through quite an ordeal and you might be like, Agapao, I'm all in. Lord. I, I'm doing that, I'm proving it. For the rest of us, you're like, man, like I'm just, I'm struggling to get to fondness with you, Lord, right now. But I believe in you and I, I love you. But help me. I'm not believing, but help me in my unbelief. Like, I'm struggling, Lord, but I'm here. I keep running back to fishing, and I keep catching no fish, and we keep having to have breakfast on the beach. Right? But Jesus, time and time again, Elliot, do you love me? Yes, I do. Do you know me? And do you? 
Sunday. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come. I want to pray for you and for myself. And here's, we'll, we'll go down with the lights. And the reason we do that is that it just, uh, I think it creates almost some safety. And we do this stuff in church, and I feel, I feel led to explain that. We'll play a little music in the background. Um, I'm here if, if you need prayer. I know Corey would be happy to pray for you if you need someone to pray with you, but I'd like to invite you to close your eyes. And they'll play quietly for a little while before they sing. And the purpose of that is I would love for you to take advantage of breakfast on the beach with the Lord. I don't know what you're going through. I don't, I don't know where you're working. But I'd love to invite you this day to, to just sit with the Lord and let Him minister to you. Let Him minister to you. And by that I mean, have this conversation, have this breakfast on the beach with Him. Let Him love you. And if you're someone that, that, that prays and believes you can hear, which I do, then you can ask him questions and you can talk with him because God created you and knows you and loves you and Jesus was there at the beginning of creation. You were knit together in your mother's womb. He knows you like no one else does. He loves you like no one else does. He died for you. He conquered sin and spiritual death for you. He conquered so that you have that now. He conquered physical death for you so that you'll get that. You'll, you'll get over that someday. You'll shed this body and live forever with the new body. I mean, that's awesome, right? So we'll play a little music. I'm just going to open it up with a little prayer. And I want you to have some time that matters. And if I can be of any help, please let me know. Father, I, I thank you for what you've written and had men read, wrote in the Bible. I'm grateful uh, for their stories, their experiences, and how, Holy Spirit, how you apply those to our life, which is really not that different from 2,000 years ago to now. So, Lord Jesus, because you're so mighty and wonderful and great in your love for us, is so profound and unsearchable. I pray that you would, you would just meet us on that beach, just like just like Peter, that we would jump in that water and go towards you. No matter what kind of storm we've been in this week, no matter how much emptiness we've found in our fishing for life, that we come to that beach and sit with you where true life is. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to us. You would speak to our hearts and our minds. And you would comfort us, correct us, and encourage us just like you do. That this time would be used to help all the men and the women and the boys and girls here to become more like you, to be loved by you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.